listening to the Sheepdog Dad podcast. My name is Stuart Jackson, and I'm the founder of the Sheepdog Dad. The Sheepdog Dad is a mentality and a way of life. Visit thesheepdogdad.com to view articles, listen to podcasts such as this, and sign up for our coaching geared towards men, young men, and boys who wish to become responsible stewards of themselves, their families, and society. We have seen time and again how absent and disengaged men and fathers are playing a role in the downfall of young men and children in general. Please join us on our journey to protect the flock. Friday, August 25th, 2017, Dickinson, Texas. We had been preparing for days for Hurricane Harvey. The possibility of tropical storms is a reality when living less than 30 miles from the Gulf of Mexico. We prepared with the usual, non-perishable food, water, took pictures of our home, gassed up our vehicles, and completed more necessary steps. Having been married barely three months, I had to take a new precaution. My wife, being a type 1 diabetic, called for the necessity of insulin on hand. This meant the purchase of a generator. Insulin must stay cold to be most effective for type 1 diabetics. If a storm knocks out the power for several days, this can mean bad news. I'd spent most of this Friday in a local Lowe's awaiting a shipment of generators. I was in the store by 7 a.m., and I was told the generators are on the way. They should be here soon. I waited and waited and waited. No generators. There had been dozens of people who had come and gone looking for generators. Some waited. Most didn't. I had exchanged numbers with one gentleman who left around 8 p.m. to continue his search. He called a short time later, letting me know he found generators. I drove through sheets of rain and wind, the outer bands of Harvey starting to make their presence known. After a 14-hour day, I had a generator. Saturday, August 26. Harvey had made landfall late the previous night a few hundred miles south near Corpus Christi. The forecast predicted we would get the remnants of Harvey near tropical storm strength. No need to panic, but certainly needed to continue with preparations. But by midday, I was letting my guard down. The storm was moving, weakening. We figured we would be home for a couple days inundated with rain, but this would be nothing compared to a Category 4 hurricane. I rolled up the extension cords, but left the new generator out just in case. We went to the grocery store and stocked up with food and drinks, got Chick-fil-A for dinner, and returned home to settle in for a few days. The Houston Texans were playing a preseason game against the New Orleans Saints that night. I sat down to watch while my wife began working on a quilt, both of us naive and oblivious to what the next 15 hours would bring. My wife is a nurse and was working nights at the time. The rain had begun, but it was nothing concerning. I went to bed around 9 p.m. while she stayed up. By 12 a.m. Sunday, she awoke me with concern. The rain was heavy. No breaks were had to let water drain and the street was flooding. The street had flooded before, but had not seen anything like this previously. Without breaks in the rain, there was nowhere for the water to go. I stayed up for several hours watching the water creep further and further up the lawn. Our home was sloped up approximately six feet above the street and the water was continuing to rise. So much so, it was halfway up the rear tires on my GMC pickup we have a one-car garage and a one-car driveway. I braved the elements to pull her small SUV into the garage and distance my truck from the rising water. As the hours went by, the storm did not relent. It sat over us and rained and rained and rained. Watching radar intently, the storm was generating bands of rain for the Gulf and dumping directly over our town. A few hours had gone by. My in-laws lived about 15 minutes away. We had heard from them they were starting to get water into the house. 
combination of rain, their pool overflowing, and being at the corner of where the neighborhood water drains led to them getting the short end of the stick, which was not good. It was approximately 3 a.m. now. I told my wife to pack a bag for when we had to leave, not knowing what that would look like. I knew I needed some rest for what was in store. I laid down, fully dressed, awaiting the inevitable. Water is coming in through the front door, my wife said as she turned on the light. It was almost 4 a.m. I took three steps and carpet began to squish and bubble. Time to act. Move everything we can to countertops and tables, I told her. I went to the front of the house. There is a distinct feeling of helplessness when you see water coming through a closed door with no way to stop it. I went to the garage, which was about a six-inch drop from the rest of the house. First thing I see are shoes floating across the floor. We are flooding. Once you accept your circumstances and start making decisions, a slight sense of calm takes over. You know the water is coming, but you can't stop it, so you just work with it. You don't stop to acknowledge a few roaches climbing the walls trying to survive, though normally this sight would stop me in my tracks. In less than an hour, the water had reached the bottom of the electrical outlets. What would we do if the house catches on fire? There's no one to call, no one to come help. So make a decision, was my next thought. I'm going to cut the power to the house from the breaker box in hopes the house won't catch on fire, and we're going to go up in the attic, is what I told my wife. But there's a problem. The attic access was pull-down ladders in the garage, where my wife's car is parked. That's not an option. Luckily, we have a secondary access point, a small piece of removable wood in the hallway, about 24 inches by 24 inches, but no ladder. I returned to the flood, flooded garage, water moving freely all around, and wrangled the six-foot ladder from the furthest point of the garage, over the SUV and into the house. Not being too cautious when it comes to bumping it and scratching the SUV, because it was already ruined. Good thing we got the gap insurance for our, our SUV. Into the attic we went. A 50-pound golden retriever, a cat in a crate that clawed the shit out of me a few minutes earlier, some water, one bag of belongings each, a lantern, and a hatchet. My thought was if the water kept rising, I could chop through the roof. Looking back on it, this escape plan is highly unlikely. Once everyone was situated, I went to the backyard where the breaker box is located. Sheets of rain continued to fall. The water was up to my knees. Being six foot three, I wondered how this could get even worse. Wondering what if the water keeps rising and we're trapped in the attic. By now I'm at the breaker box, hoping that I don't electrocute myself. I flipped the breaker and I'm still standing. Hopefully that will keep an electrical fire at bay. I return to the attic. We communicate with our parents. It's approximately 5 a.m., still over an hour till light. My in-laws are flooding, so they can't help us. My mom and stepdad are older, so all they can do is wait anxiously. My dad is the only one with the canoe and the physical strength to come get us. He tells us to hold tight. We wait and wait and wait. After the adrenaline dump, I find I am rocking myself back and forth. Thankfully, I am sound enough to know that this is a natural reaction to the situation, and I try my best to help it. My wife laughs at my subconscious self-soothing, which makes me laugh. This helps ease the tension. A few hours have gone by. My dad is having trouble reaching us. The closest he can get in his truck is about one and a half miles. He lets us know he's paddling to us. I go down and stand on the porch. Water everywhere. It's hard to comprehend. Dad makes it to us around 8 a.m. I told him it was worthless to wear chest waders, but he did anyways. All this does is make it easier for him to drown, which he almost did. Within 10 minutes of launching the canoe, he was flipped by an airboat and fully submerged. We're lucky he was able to get his feet on solid ground. 
By now, the rain has stopped. We get loaded into the canoe. This is the first time my wife has seen the water level since we entered the attic. It's up to her thighs. Our couches are floating in the living room. As we exit the front door, my dad hollers that the cat is on the countertop. Poor cat was in his crate watching us leave. Thank goodness my dad saw him. As we prepared to start paddling to the truck, we realize this isn't going to be so easy. My dad tells us he was going with the current. Current means moving water. Paddling back with three people is not possible. Thankfully, there's a rope in the canoe. We decide I'll pull the canoe. My wife will stay in the canoe and my dad will hang on the back. The water is at my knees on the porch. When I step off, it's at my waist. By the time we make it to the end of the street, it's at my neck. There's a Coast Guard helicopter one block over lifting people with a basket. That's actually kind of cool, I think. The walk is slow and arduous. We have to walk along wooden fences of neighborhood homes to keep our balance. There are a few spots where my toes barely touch the bottom, but we continue on. We pass hundreds of people on rooftops and balconies, boats coming and going. It takes approximately two hours to walk the one and a half miles. I reach my exhaustion point about 500 yards from the truck. Same with my dad. His waterlogged waiter is acting as a wait for hours. We stop at a car dealership and rest. As we begin the final track, a random reprieve occurs. A former student-athlete from my days as a school district employee recognizes me from his boat. We tie off and climb aboard. As we are driven by boat to the drop-off point, a rather large water moccasin swims by. I am thankful we made it through without having to deal with wildlife. We make it back to the truck and to my parents' house. One side of Interstate 45 closed due to the water being just below the top of the concrete divider. The following days were an emotional roller coaster. Waking up and checking the floor immediately, expecting waterlogged carpet, talking with our insurance agent and realizing the flood insurance we purchased doesn't go into effect for another 10 days. I'm not afraid to admit there were tears after that conversation. Speaking with my wife and wondering out loud, how are we going to pay for this? We'll figure it out, was the answer. We returned home after three days and the demolition began. Church group appeared and helped. My cousin knew we didn't have flood insurance, so he arranged for a crew to assist, free of charge. Friends and family gave their time and effort to help us. There was a lot of emotion and thankfulness. I spent nearly every free moment at our home during the rebuild, cleaning up, preparing for contractors, putting in as much sweat equity as I could. We moved back in on January 26, 2018, five months to the day of flooding. We were the second house back on the block. Hurricane Harvey took some things from us, but it gave us more than it took. It helped our young marriage. For those five months, we lived in my parents' 400-square-foot apartment garage, but we were happy. We laughed and loved and made it work. I shared beers and grew meaningful relationships with neighbors whom I had only waved at in the previous five years, not to mention the opportunity to renovate and update our home. We got through a tough time and are stronger for it. We did figure it out. Now... When facing down challenges, it is not uncommon for my wife and I to say, we'll figure it out. We always have. I share this story with you to give you a glimpse into one of the worst days of my life. I found something out about myself that I am so proud of. I didn't back down in the face of chaos. I made decisions. I made myself act. I didn't stop and feel sorry for myself. The emotions came at a later time and location, not when the water was pouring in. I realize that I have something inside me that I want others to find within themselves. Thank you for joining this episode of the Sheepdog Dad podcast. 
Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a five-star rating and review. Visit thesheepdogdad.com for more topics such as this and to sign up for our exclusive coaching service, Protect the Flock. Visit originusa.com and support American jobs and American manufacturing. Use the code JACKSON10 for 10% off all orders. That is J-A-C-K-S-O-N-1-0 for 10% all orders at originusa.com. Until next time, keep your head on a swivel.